Amen. Always a pleasure uh, to be in the house, the house of God. There's so many other places uh, where we could be, and some of us perhaps remember those first days of the week where we intentionally, intentionally chose to be somewhere else, but based upon God's providence, his matchless love, and the blowing on us of his Holy Spirit, uh, we find ourselves in a condition, in a context where we want to be uh, in the house of God. So to all that are here, we say welcome to those that are here in person, as well as those that might be online. Uh, we say welcome. And if there are any of those here uh, physically or online that are visiting with us, we want you to know that you are our uh, honored, honored guests, and we appreciate having you uh, in our midst. I uh, can, can echo Brother Jackson's uh, sentiments about Brother uh, Eddie Bridget. I know we were in Long Beach uh, last weekend uh, officiating uh, a wedding, and at, at some point in the airport, we get a text from Eddie Bridget uh, late, late Sunday afternoon saying, well, what time do you land? Like, Eddie, we're, we're, we're good. What time do you land? <laughs> so, of course, he picked us up from the airport, Tanya and I, and then he says, now, where are we going to eat? I'm like, Eddie, we're good. Well, I, I just want to do something. I'm like, you are. You just picked us up. No, it has to be longer. So, Eddie, Eddie, Eddie is a, a man after God's own heart. We, we definitely are. Appreciate him uh, so very much. Let, let us go to the reading uh, of our text, and then we'll have our prayer shortly after that. So let me, let me just have you stand to your feet once again, just for the reading of the sacred text and a prayer. Genesis 1, 26 through 28. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish, fish of the air and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all, all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. There might be a sermon in that. Um, the stuff be creeping. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. <laughs> Y'all get that after a while. <laughs> so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Shall we bow? Father God, again, we're here. Thankful for the opportunity of being in your presence under a worship collective context. Cultivate each and every one of our hearts and minds as we prepare to receive your word. That we receive this word with clear hearts, clear minds, and minds that are ready to grapple and receive your word. Forgive us of our repented sins. Please be with uh, Brother Albert, be with Sister Albert during this time, Father. Again, cultivate our hearts to receive this word. That today might be the day someone makes their calling and their election sure. It might be the day that somebody puts your son on in baptism. Father, we ask this in the great name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> 
divine creation and the reflexive image of God. Divine creation and the reflexive image of God. I thought we would make our way out of Romans 1 today, but we will not. But I think by next Lord's Day, we should be on our way out of Romans or out of Genesis 1. I do need for us to just start momentarily at Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, just as we continually seek to set up the foundational premise that we have throughout this creation narrative of Genesis chapter 1 as well as Genesis uh, chapter 2. But I want you to turn your Bibles, and this is, this is nothing new, but I think it's responsible to at least highlight it as we are talking about the critical essence of creation and how important it is for the child of God to have a high view of who God is. Now, when someone does not have a high view of who God is, this is when we begin to debate the essence of God and the truth of God and the reality of what God has said. But in reality, if you have a high view of God, when the Bible says in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. If you have a high view of God, it's not hard to understand that. It's not hard to believe that. But it's only when you have a low view of God that we want to question everything that God says and we want to question everything from a biblical perspective that does not make sense to us. There's even some commentaries you might read. There are even some theologians. There are even some religious scholars that you might come in contact with and they don't have a high view of God. They have a low view of God, but they've studied God from a theological perspective, but God does not have their heart. Yeah, yeah. So therefore, while they are writing and while they are expounding upon the essence of God, they're doing so from a human perspective. They're doing so not from a high view, but from a low view. And we want to make sure we don't, we don't fall victim to that. Romans chapter 1, beginning at verse 21, and we're, we're picking up in the midst of this, but verse 21, Paul helps the Roman church understand these principles and this premise. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give him thanks or give thanks to him, but they became futile, futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. How so? Claiming to be wise. They became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Now, we just looked at Genesis 1, 26 through 28, where God lets us know he created those things that creep on the ground, that they are not to be preeminent. They are simply part of his creation and exchange the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. Why? Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. Here it is, though. 
Think about creation. And worshipped and served the creature. And worshipped and served the, create, the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Some versions read uh, truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the created rather than the creator. So here we find ourselves in a, in, a, in a tricky or precarious situation because when we are not uh, uh, walking in a status and, and in a realm where we are highly alert, we too can end up worshiping that which has been created over that which is and he who is the creator. Now, I don't know how many of you still subscribe to National Geographic, but I do. Um, and so, and so my, my copy arrived on Tuesday night and I look at it and, and you probably can't see this, but the cover says space. I'm like, oh, they know I'm in Genesis. Come on, y'all. Y'all got to get there. Be there with me now. So, so this is all about space and the stratosphere of God and all of the stuff that, that has transpired in the stratosphere. But I, I want to read something to you. So I'm looking through and I'm like, oh, this is interesting. It's, it's about space. And I'm preaching about on on Genesis one, which is about the galaxies and the solar system and all of that. But on one of these pages, it says a computer simulated a, a computer simulation depicts three primordial clouds, early star, early star forming regions, just 100 million years after the Big Bang. I wish that was it. But the almost second to the almost at the last page. Even though it's a white supremacy image. Nevertheless. There's an image of an alleged crucified Christ. With two thieves on either side. But their concern is not. The deific essence of a Christ on a cross. Their concern is the historical image of the moon. The historical image of the moon and how this is uh, 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 some fancy and some popular artwork. And it may have been the first time an artist captured the moon. You got allegedly Jesus on the cross, but your emphasis is on the moon. In other words, you are not concerned about the creator. You're all about, you're all concerned about the created. So you are not concerned about the son of God. You're concerned about the moon that God put up in the stratosphere. So just understand the world that we live in and that the world does not have a high view of God. And even in the same book where they're talking about the Big Bang and all of those different things, their preference was to focus on the moon in the backdrop as opposed to the fact that Jesus Christ paid for all of our sins. Genesis, Genesis, back to Genesis 1. We'll see what we can do. Here, we forgot to make the announcement. We will not have PM service tonight in, in respect for the uh, program happening at the San Pablo Avenue uh, Church of Christ and the fact that uh, Brother Jason uh, Brown is being ordained as one of their new new deacons. That's uh, Sheree's brother. That's Tanya's cousin. Uh, so, so those that can support, please, please feel free uh, to do that this afternoon. And of course, Brother Vincent Hawkins, uh, Vincent Hawkins, one of the most dynamic preachers in our brotherhood, uh, is also uh, part of that part of that that program. Now, as we find ourselves here, back in in Genesis one, we know that by the time we get to the end of day five and the beginning of day six, God has now by day six created. Earth created what we know as the place where we live, where we thrive. He has created now everything in such a way that it is ready to receive life. 
Now, it's in chapter five or it's on day five, I should say, where where God populated the seas, where God put all of the fish and things of that nature. But by the time we get to uh, uh, day number six, now everything from a from an earthly perspective is in position and is now ready to receive life. So the the first form of earthly life, not talking about the fish in the sea, but the first form of of life that God creates from an earthly perspective are, are, are the animals that walk across the earth. And then God creates humanity. So let's pick up at verse verse 24. Verse 24, Genesis, Genesis one. And God said, let the earth Bring forth living creatures according to their kinds. We've read this already. Livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. Bible says again with this majestic language of God, and it was so. In other words, it doesn't take God a long time to speak something into existence. Now, again, I, I just read in this National Geographic issue that they talked about a uh, hundred million years after the Big Bang, because when you have a low view of God, of course, you don't believe in, in the miraculous ability of God and the intelligent ability of God. But people would rather prefer to believe in chaos that people expect. People are more willing to believe in uh, uh, perfection coming out of chaos as opposed to a divine God creating a divine earth, right? And so people would rather believe that chaos produces peace, that, that chaos produces perfection as opposed to the perfect God producing a perfect creation, right? So that, that's what people would rather do. And instead of, instead of honoring a God that can say, let there be light and there's light, people would rather uh, defer to a mindset of a Big Bang theory and things developing over a hundred million years. Because it's too much for some people to acknowledge that God can speak a word and then it happens. So then we have to reduce God based upon a very low view of reality. We have to reduce God. And in this postmodern world in which we live, we have to remove God out of the equation and just say things have formulated over hundreds and hundreds of millions of years. But it all started with a big a big bang. Now, every Christian has to grapple with this. Old earth, new earth phenomenon. That, that, that many, many theologians, many Christians, whoever, anyone that's concerned, they have to deal with whether or not you have a young earth view or an old earth view. Whether or not you believe one day meant 24 hours or one day was really just some allegorical statement and really within one day you have a, a, a million years. If you have a high view of God, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing uh, major about God creating everything that he created on one day in a 24 hour period. Not when you have a high view of who God is and the fact that God has the ability to say, let there be light. And the next thing you know, there was light. I'm a, I'm a young earth Christian. Six to ten thousand years now, if we really wanted to, like, just nerd all the way out, you, you, could, you could go into all of the research and the study behind the, the, the Grand Canyon and all of the, the grooves and groves and edges and things of that nature, and it didn't take millions of years for the Grand Canyon to be produced and structured the way in which it is structured. But somehow we want to say that all of this has happened over millions and millions of years. But again, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and it was so. Verse 25, and God made the beasts 
of the earth according to their kind and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. In other words, God saw that after he created what he created, he saw that it was perfect. He saw that it was fully functional. He saw that it was effective and had the ability to carry out what it was supposed to carry out. God didn't make anything that was full of flaws. When God finished his creation masterpiece, everything that he saw was good. So now we get to verse 26. Now, planet Earth has everything needed for humanity to populate it. God has made sure the lights are in the heavens, the stars are in the heavens. He's made sure the ocean is doing what the ocean is doing or the sea is doing what the sea is doing. He's made sure that the necessary vegetation is in place. He's made sure that the animals are in place, that now everything that humanity needs to exist and survive on planet Earth is now in position. God created humanity based upon a spoiled dichotomy. Everything was ready. Everything was made. God did not say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave this out because I need to create some hardship in your life. When, when, when Adam and Eve were created, everything that they needed to survive was already present. Then God, verse 26, then God said, let us, we already dealt with the let us is God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our image. God said, let us, the Elohim, God said, let us make man in our image, our image. Tesla. Now again, contextually, we have to try to understand how this book made sense to its original audience. There's a whole lot of debate, but again, because I have a high view of God, I do believe that Moses is the author. Which means that Moses would have written this particular word and this particular account as we've already looked at compiling all of those documents, all of the documents that he was able to compile, plus utilizing his own uh, uh, God breathed spirit to put these things together, uh, that somewhere in that 40 year wilderness journey, Moses wrote or Moses compiled and wrote the book of Genesis. Which means that somewhere while they are out there in their wilderness wanderings, they had access to the book of Genesis. Whether Moses is reading this to them, whether Aaron is reading this to them, whether the the Levites, see look at Eddie, goodness gracious, man, the Mountain Valley Spring Water, amen, thanks, thanks E. Bridget, thank you. Um, right. So 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 somewhere out there, they get access to this document. They get access to this creation account. But what does it mean to them in these moments? Now, we we don't really spend a lot of time talking about the great influence of Mesopotamia. We spend more time, rightfully so, we spend more time talking about the, the, the powerhouse of Egypt. We spend time talking about the powerhouse of Babylon. We spend time talking about the powerhouse of Assyria. We spend time talking about the powerhouse of Rome, the powerhouse of Greece. But, but, but before all of that was the powerhouse of Mesopotamia. So before Moses is on the scene, Mesopotamia and the various cities and rulers within that region, they were running things. 
They, 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 they were the ones that were, were, were the powerhouse. And so you have some influences of Babylon that come out of Mesopotamia. You have some influences of, of, of Assyria that come out of uh, Mesopotamia. When, when, when Jonah, who was it? Jonah, Jonah that had to go down and preach the word to Nineveh. Nineveh is of that Mesopotamia uh, powerhouse and power is going back and forth and things of that nature. When we read about a uh, 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 prophet Abraham or even father Abraham, God are urging him and telling him, look, I need you to leave Earth. I need you to leave your hometown and go somewhere else that I'm going to tell you to go. Well, Abraham and Abraham's father and Abraham's family, they were of Mesopotamia. And Mesopotamia was not a place that was in league with God. They were into idol worship. They were, they were into sun worship. They were into moon worship and things of that nature. But Mesopotamia was running things. So when we look at this, and the Bible says, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Well, we know that this is God, if we were to use the Hebrew language, this is God in chapter one as Elohim. If we are talking about the image of God, we are talking about the Teslim image Elohim, the Teslim of Elohim, Teslim being this word for for who we are as the created people of God. But understand that even in this text, God is creating a monumental understanding for the people of God as here they are perhaps in the wilderness, but there's still Mesopotamia influences around them and they are being told that they are created in the image or they are being created in the Teslim of God. Why is this important? Because those of Mesopotamia, their gods also had the concept that they created other gods and even kings created idol gods after and in the image of the king. So God is letting his people know, I'm speaking truth to power for y'all because you are surrounded by a region. You are surrounded by a culture where when you hear this language about the image of God, they are not talking about Father God from a heavenly realm, but you have these kings who are talking about the idols that they make are fashioned in the image of the king and they were fashioning themselves as false gods. So God is saying you need to understand you are not fashioned after one of them. You are fashioned by me. You are in the image. You are in the Teslim of the Elohim and you are not from that off brand uh, 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 formation that kings have created to where you are, are, are some kind of false God. You are made in my image. So God was helping them understand clearly you're not in the image of some king. You're not in the image of some idol. You are made in my image. You are made in the Teslim Elohim, but they had a language in the, in the Samaria language of Acadia. Again, all of this Mesopotamian culture where we understand it as Teslim, but they had a word called Alam. So God is doing some very interesting things with Moses to where here Moses is putting the creation of God right next to this false form of creation of the Mesopotamians. They have a they have a, a, a image that's made in the image of God by way of the image of Alam. God is saying, that's not y'all. You're not made in that image. You're not made in the image of some king or you're not made in the image of some idol God. You are made in my image and after my likeness. This is critical for, for us, for us to understand. Verse 26 again, then God said, let us make man in our image. Not that it look. Mesopotamia was a thing before Moses. 
Moses is coming on the scene much later, much later than creation. Moses is coming on the scene after Abraham. Abraham knew about this Mesopotamia uh, made in the image of a pagan god or made in the image of a pagan king. That's why God tells him, you are leaving that. Some research tells us that, 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 that Abraham's father was the owner of, 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 a, of a store or a factory that made these idol gods. Not only that, but Mesopotamia was the place that had it going on. And God tells Abram, leave. <laughs> what? Leave all this? Yeah, leave it all because I'm going to make you a nation. But everything that you see around you, I need you to leave. Sometimes we get so comfortable that when God calls us, we're unwilling to leave. We've become so comfortable with, within our ways and, and, and within the things that we have around us. So when God calls us to action, when God calls us to move, we are unwilling to move. But we talked about this a long time ago, especially as it even relates to Hebrews 11, that the, the, the imagery there and the wording there around God calling Abram and telling him to leave. The notion is that while God was telling Abram to, to leave with, without even giving him all of the instructions just yet, that Abram is, is in the process of packing his back that he doesn't even have the full understanding of where he's going but he heard the voice of God so he's already preparing to leave where, where were we going I don't I don't know just yet but God called to him I'm getting prepared because we're leaving here that he was not concerned about even knowing all of the facts first that he heard the voice of God and was ready to move then God said let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And let them have dominion. This is critical. I'm running out of time, so I'm, I could just jump to the good parts. See, God created us to have dominion over the earth, over the fish of the sea, over the livestock, over all of the animals, all of the creeping things, God created us to have dominion. We see Noah exercising this dominion. Noah got seven of every clean animal on the ark. Two of every unclean. He exercised his dominion. He got the elephants. That's dominion. That, that, that's subduing the earth. He got the lions. He got the tigers on the ark. Nobody's doing that work with him, perhaps some of his family. But he's exercising dominion because God created us. He created us in mind, in his image and after his likeness. So therefore, we are to have dominion. We are to subdue the earth. But God created us to have dominion over environmental things, animals, fish of the sea, environmental elements. But we are so busy trying to have dominion over each other that we have fully forgotten about the things that God gave us to have dominion over. So while we are so preoccupied with trying to handcuff each other, our environmental essence is in crisis. Because we want to handcuff and control people. And God is saying, I never gave you people to control. I gave you some animals to control. I gave you an ocean to control. I gave you the ground to control. I never gave you people. But we put more time and energy into trying to control people. While the environment is breaking down. Yeah. As people of God, yeah, we should be all about recycling. But recycling is the reality and paints the picture of the fact that we stopped doing what God called us to do and became preoccupied with each other. So now, as a remedy, you need to recycle. 
And we could barely get that right. Because I remember the time where, you know, it was all about recycling the glass. And then plastic was the next best. Well, now you better recycle the plastic, too. Because we've gone so far. So far out there. So somebody, somebody, what, what is this? Ecclesiastes 7, 729. Ecclesiastes 7, 729. We, we don't have to go there. Look, the, the Bible tells us that, that, that God made us upright. God made us, God made us righteous. God, God made us capable to carry out his will. But that latter part of, of, of Ecclesiastes 729 says, but humanity sought out many inventions. We became schemes, exactly. We became so concerned about other stuff that our, our environment is struggling. Our environment is suffering because we want to, God, husbands, your job ain't to control your wife. Wives, your job ain't to control your husband. You don't have dominion over your husband. You don't have dominion over your wife. Or you have to be a good leader, but you don't have control. No, you better go control them animals. You better go plant some stuff and water some stuff. You better go fishing. <laughs> Amen. Come on. Yeah. Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion. Over what? Over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the living, over, over, over the livestock, and over all, all the earth, yeah. and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Yeah. We're, we're afraid of insects. Let me take a drink right quick. God, how are you running from that bumblebee? Well, is that you have dominion. It's your job to subdue. But we are so upside down that now the things that God gave us dominion over, we are afraid of. But it's part of his creation. So for us to have a high view of God and understand what God is all about, first we need to understand how God created this system so we can see how backwards we are and then we can engage in a process of repentance and engage in righteousness and justice because we have even been unjust to the environmental creation of God. We think it's not for us. God gave, he created it for us. He created the universe. He created the earth. He created the things on the earth for our comfort. There's another thing. Ah, well, we're not there yet. But again, I said I could just give you all the good parts up front, right? So also from this Mesopotamia dynamic, God tells us this is another moment where God is making just a point crystal clear. That God creates creation. And then he tells Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. Now, when we get to chapter two, we'll clean that up or else you just have people going out and being fruitful and multiplying. He said the animals could do that. We talked about this a couple of weeks. He didn't say humans could just go out in any, any kind of way, be fruitful and multiply. But now, the, the, the Mesopotamian Kings and officials and, 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 and false gods. Their mindset was. You only need to be fruitful and multiply. When you need a labor force. To take care of environmental things. Because their mindset was we don't want to overpopulate the earth. So God comes in to make sure his Israelite people understand, no, I'm not concerned about overpopulation. I need you to understand that under the divine scheme of God, it is your responsibility to be fruitful and to multiply. And don't get caught up with that Mesopotamia logic that tells you that the only time you are to reproduce is when you need a labor force to take care of environmental things because the environmental things are not the responsibility of a labor force. The environmental things are respons the responsibility of all of humanity. 
don't know if you got that or not. Sounds a bit familiar. That people trying to create a special force to deal with the environmental, to deal with the cotton, to deal with the tobacco, to deal with the sugar. We get a special force for that. So yeah, let's engage in some, 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 some fruitfulness and some multiplying because we need a special group to take care of the cotton. We need a special group to take care of the sugar cane. We need a special group to take care of the tobacco. That is an anti-God concept. God made sure in Genesis 1, Genesis 1, he made sure his people understood that reality. That you have dominion over environmental things. Don't you ever think you have dominion over another human being. So God created Bara. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image. That word man is Adam. Adam. So God created Adam. God created Adam in his own Tesla. In his own image, when we are created in the image of God, it means we are created in his shape. We are created in his shadow. Some versions even talk about we are created in his phantom. That we are created in the brilliance of God. That God says that when we are down here, based upon his most divine earthly creation, that when people see us, they should see him. This doesn't mean that you see his physical essence or his his physical stature, but you see the majestic essence of God that no one else gets to be a representative of God than us. The lion is not a representation of God. The ox is not a representation of God. The snake, show enough, ain't a representation of God. But we, created in the image of God and after his likeness, we are his representation uh, to all that is in the earth. We represent God on earth. But do you have a high view? In the image he created him, the shadow created him male and female. He created them. Gave us dominion. And then God blessed them. Verse 28. God blessed them. Said be fruitful and multiply. Before we close, God loves us so much. He even let us in on the creation process. He created everything. But then he also let us in on the creation process. God in the beginning stages of his creation, because again, I don't know if we'll read it today or not, but by the time we get to day six, creation is done. It's over. God is no longer creating after day six. Day six, he looks, everything's good. Day seven, you know what happens. We'll be there at some point. But God never created a baby. Oh, come on now. Adam and Eve weren't babies when they were created. Again, it goes back to when God creates something, it's fully ready to engage. Oh, man. So God never God doesn't create a baby until his son, the Christ. Chew on it, chew on it. But God leaves the creation of babies to his human 
creation. So when we get a baby, it's coming from Adam and Eve. Because again, it, it fits with the scheme. It would not make sense for God to create Adam and Eve as babies. Because part of God's divine scheme, if God made sure on planet Earth that before I was made, there was water, there was food, there was air, there was oxygen, there was light for the daytime, there was light for the nighttime, meaning that everything that I need to survive is already at my disposal. Well, guess what babies need? Babies need parents. So God would not create babies. Oh my goodness. Without their first being parents in position. Because everything that God creates is ready to be received and has everything that it needs to thrive and survive. So God says, well, now that I've made these two adults that are connected to each other, now babies can come. He, he, he doesn't create Adam and Eve, and I'm sorry, I'm already in chapter 2, but not really. But he, he, he doesn't create Adam and Eve as babies and then nurse them from babies up to adults. Because babies require parents. This is God's divine. We can create whatever we want to create. The Bible, again, he made us upright. We sought out many inventions. We can create what we want, but God has a plan. I think Brother Miles was talking. God has a model. God has a scheme. God has a design. And even from the sake of children, God held back on that and said, no, I'm not going to formulate that. But I'm going to put inside of humanity all that they need so that they can formulate the babies and continue to be fruitful and multiply. God bless them. He said, be fruitful and multiply and fill, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea. Now notice that God already said that beginning in verse 26. <laughs> I, I would imagine that if God says something twice, Look, look at verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over the living livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Let us have dominion. Let us have, have rada. Yeah. Then he says here in verse 28, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. Again, over what? Over the fish. He's telling us what we have dominion over. And it's not each other. We have a fellowship responsibility to each other. We have an interdependency responsibility to each other. We do not have a responsibility to each other that is rooted in subduction and dominion. Amen. It's not ours. I don't know who I'm talking to other than myself, but quit trying to run people. Quit trying to rule people. Quit trying to control people. It's interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm not done, but I'm going to close up. I'm done. Maybe that's chapter two. So I can't go there really. But I just remember growing up, and I've shared this before. I just remember growing up in my neighborhood as a, as a small child. And in my Western Edition neighborhood, there was just open land in the middle of the Western Edition. Just open land. And that land was divided up into sections. And so various people in the neighborhood had their own sections of that land. And it was their personal garden. They planted their carrots, their tomatoes. You know, them greens was lit. Come on, Come on now, come on. 
And as long as those gardens were in film mode, Even my elementary school, we owned a slice of some of the land. So Biblos, every now and then we would leave our elementary school campus, walk three or four blocks to Fillmore Street, and start getting our green thumb on, planting, plucking, cultivating. Second grade, third grade, fourth grade. And as long as those gardens were there, the neighborhood was peaceful. Suddenly the gardens disappear. High-rise condominiums go up. Crack cocaine gets introduced. And the neighborhood turns violent. And now, Schools and communities are trying to get back to gardening. Gardening is at the beginning of creation. The dominion and the subduing of Adam and Eve was gardening. Cultivating the land. Taking care of the land. And the minute we let that slip, chaos. We let it slip on our watch, chaos. And now we're feverishly trying to get back. Hey, 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 how many, what what'd you call them, garden beds? Hey, what you got in your backyard? What you, we never should have let it go. I don't know how to close, but I'll just give you this. Beginning of the school year, one one of my administrative assistants gave me a uh, a device. It wasn't a long conversation. She just walked in, gave it to me, told me what it was, and left. Said, "Amar, back up all your stuff. Back it up." This was a portable hard drive. Back all your stuff up. It wasn't a flash drive. It was bigger than that. It's in my bag. That's in August. Well, Wednesday, doing some stuff, and I switched up my routine. I changed bags. I got my two flash drives out, put them in the other bag. Get ready to get in the car, and I'm like, I'm missing a flash drive. Where's my flash drive? Now I'm tearing up the house, but I got to take Shiloh to school. So I get, I get Shiloh to school. I should be on my way to work. I go back home. Biblos, I'm tearing up more stuff. Where's my flash drive? I got all my stuff on my flash drive. Where is it? In the back of my mind, I remember when my admin assistant gave me a device to save all of my stuff. But Sister Sankey, I didn't do it. This is August. Now it's September. Now we're almost in October. And I'm walking around with the device that could save my stuff. But I'm not using it. I'm as nervous as I could be. We go to work. You know, we do these check-ins. We are one to 100. I said, well, normally I'm around a 90, but I'm a 10 because I can't find my flash drive. I go home. I find it. It has slipped into a different pocket of my backpack. So I immediately started saving it to my portable hard drive. I should have done that two months ago. Stand to your feet. The blessed is, the blessed essence is, 
God gave me a second chance. He didn't, he didn't have to let me find that hard drive. He could have said, Amar, that is totally on you because you've been walking around with everything that you needed from the beginning to have that stuff backed up and saved. There might be someone here right now. And God is calling you to salvation. You've been walking around with everything that you need to be saved. But it's just occupying your pocket. It's just in your backpack. It's just in your back pocket. But you have not engaged it based upon faith yet. Well, Jesus is the one that is responsible for creation. Nothing was created that did not include the Son of God. He created you, he created me, he created everything that we see. But now he's calling you into his family so that he can save you. And he's there every single day. But one day it will be too late. And it won't matter if you find your flash drive. It won't matter if you find your backup hard drive or whatever it's called. It'll just be too late. So there might be someone here that needs to be baptized today. There's also someone here that might need to be restored back to God because you've been taking God for granted. That you talk like you have a high view of God, but your behavior indicates that you have a low view of God. Before we sing the song, we're going to pray. Father God, it's decision time. We don't know what's on the heart of individuals. We know what's on our heart. We know what's on our mind. We know how the word works in us, but we don't know how it's working in others. But Father, we come to you at this time for pricked hearts to make their calling and election sure as we sing this song of encouragement and invitation that someone has heard what they need to hear. That your spirit has blown on them the way that they need to be blown on. So that they can stop playing with you and your majesty and your power. Father forgive us of our repentant sins and bless, bless this moment. We ask this in the great name of your son Jesus. Amen. Without you Lord. Without you, Lord, I can't make it. If God is calling you, please come down front. Without you, Lord. If you need baptism, give me your hand. Give God your heart. You, we serve the masterful creator. Without you, he knows what's on your heart. He knows what's on your mind. He knows what you need. He knows what you don't need. He knows when you are moving him to the back. He knows when you are moving him to the front. It's prayer time, church. It's time for you and all of us to make our calling and our election sure. We have this moment. This is the only moment that we do have. Take advantage of this moment. Without you, Lord, I know without you, Lord, without my Lord, I can't make I'm trying and I feel Lord, without you, Lord, without you, Lord, oh, without you, Lord. I just wanted to uh, thank you for that outstanding uh, sermon today and 
I also wanted to ask for prayers for my wife uh, for her surgery tomorrow, uh, that uh, the Lord blesses her with a successful uh, procedure, and that uh, whatever's been uh, troubling her physically will be discovered uh, with this surgery and that they'll be able to correct it and that she'll uh, uh, be well on her way to recovery after the procedure. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Um, I'm just asking for prayers for Brother Alex Rowe. He um, experienced a, a pretty uh, major health scare this week um, that was triggered by COVID. Um, and I just wanted to remind all of our seniors that COVID is almost deadly for, for seniors and um, it caused his blood pressure to raise very high to stroke-like conditions. And if his sister, Sister Gwen, wasn't there, you know, who knows? So just please pray for him. He's on the road to recovery and he just needs your prayers. Church, I'm uh, also asking for prayers for my brother, uh, Lawrence, uh, who is extremely ill. Uh, my sister and I, we had an opportunity to go to the hospital and actually look at his medical records to see what is all wrong with him. And he is even uh, sicker than we thought. We saw about 18 different things that all of which can be life-threatening that they're trying to deal with. So please, please keep him in prayer, keep me, my sister, and my wife, and all of our family in prayer as we support my brother as he goes through these challenging times. Amen. Asking for prayers for Ebony. Um, she's not doing well today. Um, she's dealing with neuropathy um, all over her body, so I'm just asking for prayers for her. Amen. <clears throat> shall we shall we bow father god again we're thankful for your creation not just your creation but also your scheme of redemption and your continual grace and mercy directed towards us because we mess things up daily we're thankful for your long-suffering spirit. And Father, we pray for forgiveness for taking you for granted, frustrating the grace, quenching the spirit. Father, be with each of us. There are many prayer requests this day. Please be with our brother Lawrence Heard in the hospital with many things going on in his body. Be with him, be with the doctors and nurses ministering to him. Also open his heart so that he's receptive to all of the treatment that is beneficial to him. Be with the entire Hurd family, be with Brother Hurd, be with Sister Jackie Heard. Just bless her in every way, Father. Be with Sister Serrano as they minister and continually pray, pray for their brother. Father, be with Sister Miles, who will be undergoing surgery tomorrow. Be with her body. Give her all the strength she needs. Be with Brother Miles, her rock, her support. Be with the doctors and nurses that will be administering the surgery. Father, be with Alex Rowe, who experienced a medical episode. Thankful that his sister was there. Please bring him back to a full recovery. Please be with the Albert family. Be with Darren Albert. Help him in every way that he stands in need of. Touch his physical body. Be with his wife, be with his children. 
be with his parents, be with everyone that is within close proximity to him. That you open his heart continually to receive all of the care that is needed. Be with his wife. Give her everything that she needs spiritually and psychologically. Be with the children. Father, be with Sister Ebony, who's experiencing neuropathy all over her body. Give her the comfort that she stands in need of. Father, we know there are others. Not everyone has come forward with prayer requests. Some have gone to you personally and privately. Father, we ask that as they fall within the accordance of your will, that you bless those prayers, those prayers of faith. Be with the San Pablo Avenue Church of Christ as they install another deacon today. Uh, Brother Jason Brown, be with, be with him, be with them, and bless all that will take place there on that day. <clears throat> Please, Father, forgive us of our repentant sins. Keep us. Bless this, bless this church. Bless this congregation. Father, we ask this in the great name of your son, Jesus. Amen.